And you're listening to the Talkline Network over WVIP 93.5 FM HD2, New Rochelle, New York. We are America's only Jewish radio program on regular broadcast radio on the Internet and digital platforms. Enjoy. You are listening to Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. gonna do with our children What are we gonna do to show we care How are we gonna be there for our children When they feel that life has just not been their fair Good evening and welcome back to Masks Weekly Radio Show on Family Matters. Mask, mothers and fathers aligned, saving kids, kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles, including addiction. If you know somebody that needs a referral for a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, or a support group for the parents. We still offer groups by Zoom and in person. Our number to call is 718-758-0400. I'll repeat the number. You may want to jot it down for yourself a loved one, or a neighbor, or someone you usually would sit next to in shul. Our number again, 718-758-0400. I would like to invite all my listeners to the Hakel Parade, which will be held on Eastern Parkway at 770 Eastern Parkway on Lagba Omer this coming Tuesday and Mask and Intborough Developmental in Crown Heights and LSA are sponsors of the parade. So co-sponsors of the parade with NCFJE. So please join us. Not only will there be a Hakel parade, but there's actually going to be a wonderful carnival for everyone. So please go online, register at the Hakel Parade, ncfje.org, so you can get your seat and entrance. Uh, please go online today. It's filling up. We've got thousands of people joining us. So tonight, I want to welcome on a dear colleague and a friend and a doctor, an MD, and that is Dr. Alyssa Minkin, who happens to be the host of the Joma podcast. And they provide health 
education here to the Orthodox Jewish community, which she will talk about. She's also a doctor in, uh, she's a doctor in Oceanside in Long Island, and she's very involved in helping with so many different angles. I don't, I can't even keep up with her helping families with their mental health struggles. So I'd like to welcome you on Dr. Alyssa Minkin. Thank you for making the time for coming on tonight. How are you? Rahama, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to be on this um, program with you. I am so grateful to MAST for all they have done through the years. I mean, we're talking about this being Mental Health Awareness Month and MAST is it's the OG, right? It is the original program for our communities that came in when there was so much more stigma for mental health. You have done so much over the years. I, I'm just so honored to be here. <laughs> Well, thank you, and I'm honored to call you a colleague, but more a friend and always dear for those in need and the mask family. So thank you. Thank you, you. Mentioned, you mentioned that this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. At MASK, we say every month is mental health awareness, but we'll go with the flow. And on the calendar, yes, it is mental health awareness. And we are always working towards stigma-free. And really, thank you, God, that we all have come so far since 26 years ago when I started MASS. So everyone, not only MASS, but JOMA, all the agencies, so many out there, and on social media, there are many. It is so wonderful to know that we're at this point where we can talk about mental health out in the open. And more importantly, Dr. Minkin, you have been written up, Joma has been written up in so many different magazines, Mishpacha, The Wellspring, et cetera. And so many organizations have been written up, which is, such a novelty from 26 years ago, right. but it's fantastic. I remember when I started MASK, I went to the Jewish press and I asked them for a column. And she says, really, you need a column for mental health? Who's gonna wanna read it? Nobody's gonna wanna read it. And we had a column for one year. I took on the responsibility that every week I got another therapist to write an article on another topic and it was so foreign to everyone then and today every magazine and newspaper that you pick up in the jewish community have topics so what are your feelings about how far we've all come so I think we've come far on the stigma angle, not not as far as we could, because there still is stigma. Um, as a pediatrician, I wish my families valued mental health as much as I do. <laughs> um, I always say your mental health is at least as important as your physical health and definitely not less. Um, I wish we also looked at it as mental health, not just picking up mental illness. 
right? I still think we have a focus on, you know, is there anxiety, is there depression, and not how can we be mentally healthy and stay mentally healthy? Excellent point. And on the mask parent groups, which by the way, Sunday night is Dr. Shmuel Brachfeld, still by Zoom. Monday night is Dr. Debbie Ackman by Zoom. Tuesday night in person in Brooklyn, Dr. Trish Atiyah. And Wednesday night, Rabbi Dr. Ben-Zion Tversky uh, by Zoom. Uh, also, Yeshaya Kraus facilitates a group for blended families, couples, second marriages, that are bringing up each other's kids. And Cheryl Friedman runs a group for um, families in the five towns. And I want you to know that it comes up every night about the importance of self-care. And that's a point we need to realize. Everybody's in a rush, everybody's running. Things are very expensive. People are stressed with finances. And that really steps into our emotional well-being. Absolutely. So, yes, we remind parents how important self-care is for their one's emotional well-being. Right. Um, I'm also going to say, as a pediatrician, that the parents' emotional health is as important as their kids. You know, we talked about it a little bit before that, you know, when we're concerned about, say, a child's anxiety, um, how the parents deal with it is really important. So important what you're bringing up. So many parents, when they struggle with their anxiety, kids see it, right, doctor? Kids know about it. And also, doctor, would you speak about uh, the genetic predisposition of some children. Right. I mean, I don't want to be like fatalistic about this. I don't want to say, okay, so you have mental illness in the family and you're going to for sure have to deal with it. I mean, there's, there's a genetic link, but at this point, anxiety and depression, which are two of the most common um, mental health issues we're dealing with are so common. I'm not sure it matters as much about the genetic predisposition. I mean, yes, and COVID, you know, spun everybody out of control. So, so people, true. People are really suffering since COVID still, and they're having a hard time with the new world as it is. Right. But I also want to be more positive about this. Um, there's a movie that just came out that's all about how horrible our anxiety problem is. I don't remember what it was called. And I don't want to take that tack. I want to take a more positive tack in that we can become more resilient and we can help our kids become more resilient. Absolutely. And I'd like you to share some ideas on that, please. Right. So again, if you listen to my podcast, that's a recurrent theme that we can help our kids become more resilient. In fact, I just did with Rebetzin Gila Ross, who has her own Torah podcast called Power Up. And she's coming out with programming for both kids and also for, for parents to help with teens and technology, which is a whole separate issue <laughs> to talk about it another time. 
But instead of coming at it with, oh, the technology, it's so bad and it's we're losing our kids and it's so scary, she comes at it from a more empowering standpoint. So I interviewed her on that. It's really, we can't in 25 minutes get into specifics, but the very idea that you shouldn't go at it with from a place of fear, but from a place of empowerment. Knowledge is power, right? We can learn more about technology and about how to help our kids navigate technology as opposed to um, just be scared about it and try to, to control it. So that's, that's one little tip. Um, another tip is this is just stuff that I do all the time with, with parents in my practice, um, try to help them be more calm themselves, right? Not to feed into their kids' anxiety, but themselves to um, help, um, what's the word that I want? Navigate their own emotions, regulate, to, to regulate their own emotions so they can help co-regulate with their own kids' emotions. Absolutely. Very important that parents learn how to stay calm themselves mm -hmm. as well while they're struggling. And we use the word mask, you know, maybe mask it so that kids don't mimic that those reactions that one may have. Also, doctor, wait, wait, when you, for a second. Yeah. When you say the word mask, it means you're feeling it, but you're shutting it down. No, uh, no, no, not to shut it down. Just let's say, for instance, um, you know, during COVID, people were like on the phone, this one died, that one died. You know, they were very full of anxiety. You don't have to do that in front of your children. Just be a little bit more careful about them hearing all those reactions when there is something that could be going on that may frighten them. Because if they're struggling with their own anxiety about it, then it's sort of the, you know, the learned behavior kind of reaction. What is your opinion on that? So my opinion is that parents should get the help they need for their own emotions rather than feel they have to hide things. That's why I got concerned by the term mask, because kids know, you know, kids know. I mean, I go back to my childhood. I remember when um, I was six years old and I had a friend who was very sick, okay? Like Loa Leno, he had something very bad. And I, I can still, to this day, decades later, remember that I had this feeling like I was missing something and it made me feel more anxious. So I think it's important for parents to be honest with kids but also get the help they need so that they can do that in a calm way. Well, that's what we're referring to, the calm way part, is what we were, I was referring to. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is your feeling why there is such a rise in anxiety and depression in youth today? So that's a really complicated question, and people have given simple answers like it's the iPhone, right? Um, and technology is a piece of it, um, we live in a very fast-paced society. There's a lot of pressure on, on adults and on kids. There's a lot of financial pressure, a lot of academic pressure. It's complicated. So I, I can't give a simple answer, but I gave you some of the factors. It's All right. Not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not an easy thing. It, it really isn't, but I do have, I do have a lot of optimism that we can we can learn to cope with our changes because 
we have to, we have to grow, right? When changes happen, we have to learn how to deal with it. We have a different kind of society. Technology is here to stay. It's we're not going away from it. We can't just shut it out. And I think it helps our children when we ourselves get the skills so that we can navigate the world that we're in. Right, and one needs to be very mindful of what they're modeling through words and their body language. Right, right. You know, you know, the reactions have to be appropriate to what the situation is, of course, but they need to model it carefully. Um, there, you know, when should somebody, uh, I would like you, I mean, I'd like you to describe when should somebody really look into whether their, you know, child, they have anxiety when they should be worried about it or not. You know, intensity or how long the duration about their reactions. Why don't you um, advise my listeners when's a good time to look at treatment for your young child? Right. Well, first of all, as I said before, I believe that we should be paying attention to mental wellness and not just looking to see when it becomes a disorder. That's the first thing. Um, pediatricians are supposed to be screening, by the way, at all well visits. And ideally, by the way, at some sick visits, when a child has a lot of abdominal pain or headaches, the doctor should be thinking, could this be anxiety or chest pain or any number of physical complaints that we don't necessarily see um, a physical reason for? And I have to be careful here because we don't want the doctor to say, oh, it's just in their head. It's not real um, and either miss a medical diagnosis or be dismissive. That That's number one. Um, but also going back to you kind of mentioned frequency, intensity and duration. You know, how are kids impacted at home? How are they impacted at school? How are they impacted with their friends? If they're having problems in those domains, it's affecting how they function. That's already in the what we call disorder category, and they should definitely be seeking out help for that. Right. And let's talk more about resilience yes, with kids. Please. That's really important for parents to understand. Right. So I think, you know, sometimes as a parent, you just want your child to be happy. And then when they're unhappy, you feel unhappy. And then it's hard for you to tolerate their discomfort. But I think it's really important for parents to learn. I used the word co-regulate before. That's kind of like a, a hot term now, right? Meaning that when 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 they're upset, you don't want to dismiss their feelings. You want to be able to, to be with them in that discomfort, but not to have it overwhelm you, right? So you can really help them if you, and it's not easy. I don't want to say this is easy. And this is why I go over it and over it with many different therapists and psychiatrists, et cetera, on the podcast many times. The concept of co-regulation means being there for them um, in their discomfort, empathizing with them, but then helping them navigate it. You're calm, right? You're calm, you're not overwhelmed by it. And, and that can mean getting help for yourself, by the way, because like you said before, it is often genetic. There is often the kid has anxiety, often the parent has anxiety as well. So it can be the hardest thing in the world to work on. Right, and, and when kids get the message that this is hard for me, I'm upset, but I'm managing, then children really learn mm -hmm. that you could be sad and upset, but mm -hmm. still be okay. Mm -hmm. And I talk about this all the time, like parents are afraid, oh, I'm gonna make a mistake. I made a mistake with this parenting, like I messed up. 
And you know what? That's a great time to model that it's okay to make mistakes. And that's how we learn, and that's okay. Absolutely. Doctor, can we just talk about unaddressed anxiety, teenagers that are being diagnosed with OCD, depression, and anxiety, what the common denominator is um, with that, please. I'm not sure what you mean by that question. You mean what I mean is something some people on to other things? Is that what you mean? Right. Yes. I mean, for example, ADHD. Okay, you didn't mention it, but there still is a stigma um, for ADHD, and there's still a stigma for medication for ADHD and for mental health, which we didn't talk about. So I do commonly see kids who have ADHD. Um, it's often the inattentive type, which is like less visible than the hyperactive type. It's often more in girls than in boys that I see this, but it can be in boys as well. And it's it's been missed because oftentimes they're right and they're getting away, away. they're getting along in school, but they're having trouble paying attention. And it not uncommonly shows up later in adolescence with kids who are now anxious, maybe depressed as well. Anxiety and depression, you know, often coexist. Um, and they may have other mental health diagnoses at that point because it hasn't been picked up and properly treated. And that's true for anxiety as well. You may have anxiety um, or depression or both that because it's not visible, right? These are internalized symptoms and they've not been picked up earlier. And then it can you can have other mental health disorders like obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, like eating disorders, like there's so many that can be added on to the pile when it hasn't been picked up and treated earlier on, which underscores the importance of properly diagnosing and treating these disorders early enough. Right, and early enough, doctor, is not to wait until they're 11 years old necessarily, but some may say, you know, the kid doesn't want to sleep alone or has a hard time getting on a bus or, you know, whatever it is they're struggling with when they're younger even, and parents sort of say, oh, they'll grow out of it, or oh, it's nothing. I'm, I used to be anxious too at that age or whatever. But the importance of sharing it with your MD. Absolutely. As I said before, the MD should be, you know, the physician or healthcare professionals, not everybody's an MD right now that takes care of kids. Right, it could be an NP, it could be a PA, who's ever taking care of the child should be screening that child at every well visit and should be thinking about it at um, some sick visits, as I mentioned before, they may have unexplained symptoms. So that from the, from, the, from the healthcare professionals end, from the parents end, if it's not happening, you can pick it up. You can come there and say, hey, have you thought about asking my child about their feelings? Could they be having anxiety? Could be they, they be having depression? I'm also going to put out a plug for an organization in New York called Teach New York or Project Teach. Mm -hmm. That is a program maybe you want to put in the show notes um, that anybody can access that can help you pick up these problems. They have all the screens for free on their website. Um, there's, for example, the SCARED, which is a anxiety screen for children. There's the General Anxiety Disorder 7, GAD7 for older kids, Columbia Depression for 11 and up. There is a, um, 
another one for depression for younger kids. There's ADHD screens called the Vanderbilt. There are so many free screens and it doesn't take that much time and they're really easy to score. So even in busy practices, you can be screening. The healthcare professional can be screening. And then they have Thank to- Thank you. And then they have to make referrals where you come in, right? Right, right. And that's where mass comes in, where we can refer to therapists. Um, and we have therapists all over the world. And I'm also an FH executive board member, over mm -hmm. a thousand from therapists there. Uh, we do trainings for therapists, mass does trainings. We're going to be doing a training uh, in two weeks. And that is for the Crown Heights therapist, where Acadia Health is co-sponsor. Thank you, and in and LSA. Um, also, we do trainings on um, vaping, the dangers of opioid, dangers of marijuana. So anybody interested in getting a training for their neighborhood, uh, parents, young adults in your schools, please give us a call 718-758-0400. Dr. Minkin, can you describe what the conversation is like when a young child comes in where you are sort of screening at the first time meeting with one of your patients about mental health? How do you introduce it to the parents? and the young person. So what I said is what I said before, that your mental health is at least as important as your physical health. They're intertwined. They're not, you can't even extricate one from the other. And I value both of them. So for example, if it's a visit for a physical complaint, say recurrent stomach aches or headaches or chest pain, I will say, I'm not saying this is quote unquote all in your head. I need to look at both pieces at the same time. That's what I say. Um, and then if I pick up something, I, I come back in as another conversation about how important your mental health is and how important taking care of your mental health is. And then I try really hard to give good resources so that they can get the help that they need. And I also say, by the way, if it's about conversation about medication versus not, um, that I, I want to pick these things up. Some people are afraid that if I pick them up, then I'm automatically going to run to medication. But for anxiety and depression, the first line is actually therapy. It's not necessarily medication. With exceptions. Absolutely. Yeah, with <laughs> exceptions. Yeah. Right. All right. So why don't you give my listeners the JOMA information for your popular podcast? Thank you so much. I really appreciate your support. So our podcast is found on all major podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple. Um, it's also available on our YouTube um, station, um, JOMA, J-O-W-M-A. And it's also available by phone. We have a phone line for people who don't use the internet. Um, and that would be 929-4-G-E-Z-U-N-T. How cute is that? Um, Love it. 929-443-9868. And so we put all the talks up there as well. Well, thank you so much for coming on and always making the time for the cloud for people in need. I really appreciate you um, really making time tonight from your busy schedule. 
Uh, and I hope to have you on again soon. Thank you. It's my honor. And thank you so much for all that you do with Mask. You're amazing. Thank you. And I want to wish everyone a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbat. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and still for now, virtually hug tight. Tonight's show is in memory of Rivka Bas Yisrael. Please consider to go online to maskparents.org and donate so that we can continue with all of Mask's programs to support parents. Thank you and have a good night. Income eligibility limits for the Medicare Savings Program have increased. If you make $2,260 a month or less, you may qualify for our Medicare Savings Program to help pay for your premiums, deductibles, coinsurance, and copayments. Connect with a Get Covered NYC specialist to see if you qualify for a Medicare Savings Program. Call 311 and ask for Get Covered NYC or visit nyc.gov slash getcoverednyc. Hey, this is Alan Dershowitz. One of the most important Jewish institutions in the world today is Talkline with Zeb Brana. He is so smart and he is so innovative and he has so many interesting guests. I don't know what Yiddishkeit, I don't know what New York, I don't know what the world would do without Zev. So Zev, Yashikoch, may you go from strength to strength and keep keep informing us and educating us and keep fighting for Jewish values. And you're listening to the Talkline Network over WVIP 93.5 FM HD2, New Rochelle, New York. We are America's only Jewish radio program on regular broadcast radio on the Internet and digital platforms. Enjoy. You are listening to Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.